How you doing, people of the internet? Okay, cool. Thanks for, thanks for downloading the episode and welcome back. If this is your first episode, then awesome. Welcome to Beer & Company. Um, if, if, if you haven't heard them yet, you should check out the first two episodes as well after listening to this. We had um, North Brewing Company and West Berkshire slash Renegade Brewery. Um, awesome conversations. But today we have um, James, James Yeomans from Hopstuff Brewery. Hopstuff Brewery is one of the fastest growing breweries in London. They are trying to position themselves somewhere as a stepping stone between sort of like um, the, the premium drinks of Camden and Meantime to the super premium, which you might find um, only served in bottle form in pubs and bars across the country. And in, if you're lucky enough to live in some parts of the country, there's some taps that would have like these super premium options. Hopstuff are trying to sit in the middle between as a stepping stone between uh, premium and, and super, super premium. And um, and I might be wrong about that, but that's the impression I got from James in the conversation. In this conversation, we did talk about crowdfunding, which is a form of uh, financing of a company or a project by going to the crowd, which is community, that everyday people, you and me, and also investors who are typically going to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on investments. But going to normal people as well to ask them if they would put some money into an investment or, or donation towards a project for some sort of art exhibit or something like that. Um, a really famous one in the brewery space is BrewDog with their equity for punks campaign and a little bit less famous but probably a really good return for the investors that went into it was camden brewery back in the day before it got bought out by ab InBev. anyway um hops off for going through a crowdfunding campaign when i went to speak to james so i was talking about the legitimacy of it the good side the bad side of crowdfunding and um and and maybe we talk a little bit of the gossip about the pub and brewery industry around crowdfunding um i, I do want to give you a bit of a warning um this episode, James is super busy. He's uh, he could only give me thirty minutes. Really grateful for him uh, for that. Um, but we, I saw him in a cafe just in in, in Deptford near where his new tap room was opening up. Um, in fact, he, he he took me to see it before when he was basically exchanging the keys with the landlord or someone or other um, before they actually started renovating it. If you if you go there now, if you're in Deptford, you got to check out the brew, the the brew tap. It's or the, the tap room. They've got some good pizzas on offer and their beer is pretty delicious. Um, but yeah, um, we're in this cafe and outside there's roadworks going on and so there's a bit of distraction from that. I've done my best to remove the background sound. There's also two people sitting on, on our left, even though we're outside of the cafe because the sound of the steamer, steamer and the, the cappuccino maker, the espresso making machine is super loud in a cafe, so I'd want to record outside. Um, outside there was two gentlemen talking which I tried to remove from background sound and uh, there was at one point there was a bloke on my other side who was smoking a cigarette which is which is his right and that's awesome he's he's out out in the air he's doing everything anyone could ask of a smoker but <laughs> the smoke was blowing into mine and James face and uh, it distracted us a little bit during the podcast so uh, I hope it's not really if you know affect your um your viewing your listening pleasure um, but I just want to make a, a small apology if the sound quality isn't as good as I like to aim to do. Um, anyway, I'll leave it there. Hope you guys have a have an enjoyable listen, and I'll catch you at the end. All right, cheers. <laughs> So that's basically the start. Cool. Cool. Ah.
So I'm here today with James, James Germans from um, from Hopstuff Brewery, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me this morning. I know no you're really Thank busy. You. Thank you very much. Yeah, so Hopstuff, you're rapidly growing. You're one of the fastest growing breweries in, in London. That's what we say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the figures yeah. seem to say that. I mean, yeah, yeah you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We, um, we have a very good team and we, we work very hard to do what we do is you know trying to get this booked in it's been it's been tough you know, it's um there isn't enough hours in the day to be honest but um yeah we're very fortunate and, and our our message seems to be kind of getting out there and um and i guess it, it must be something that people believe in yes yeah. you know there is a message that i've been reading about your message from hop stuff where well why don't you tell me how you started out in the brewery industry? Because you came from yeah. banking, yeah, yeah, which isn't the typical route, and it's not like you were brewing at home. I don't no, know. well, a, a little bit, but I, um, it, it kind of it came about at a couple of different stages for me. I was brewing, home brewing, and doing bits and bobs and that sort of stuff, and it, it was interesting, but but nothing, no career out there. Okay. Like it wasn't very good. Um, well, you know, <laughs> some of them were great, some of them were awful, but that's kind of that's home brew for you. Um, and then I was kind of, I was trying to get into craft beer, uh, and we can debate the term about craft beer for, for hours. But right, exactly. I was trying to get into craft beer, and you kind of, you, you were, you were seeing kind of the, the American stuff coming over. So, you know, I was a little late to the party, but you know, Sierra Nevada, and yeah, sure. you know, it was, it was good back in 2010, 2011, whatever. And then I started to notice kind of Sandbrook's Colonel Redemption yep. a few little breweries popping up around London and I kind of started to get a little bit more interested in it and so your fascination to the point of home brewing which to me is a marked distinction like I haven't home brewed yet mostly because I live in a flat in, my, in London and my girlfriend won't let the smell of it believe me I was doing that and she hated it <laughs> um, but like that that is still an established point that where you went I'm really interested in beer enough yeah. to make my own Yeah. but that was before you even heard about the I say invert commas craft brewery scene yeah well yeah it, my my stepdad and I used to buy each other homebrew oh. we, we kind of call it homebrew crap but we used to just buy each other homebrew stuff for, for Christmas and, right. and we went through kind of two or three Christmases where we were buying each other like you know different bits and bobs and so, I mean, yeah, I'd always been interested, and I guess I've said it in public before, but I kind of said that there was, um, when I was at University in Exeter, and Doombar was, was quite a big thing back then, and I know it, it's not craft, well, this is before I guess the Mawson buyout, yeah, exactly, um, and I've always struggled with what is craft and what's not, and I would kind of said back in those days, Doombar was was a good ale. Was it a craft it's a funny beer? One. I don't the, know. The word seems to be synonymous with small brewing. Maybe yeah. is it um, experimental brewing using it, ingredients without? It's a really really tricky thing to try and define. But at the same time, you talk to the guys at let's say um, Pedigree, for example, where they've got the same oh, the brewer who've been doing it for what thirty seven years, yeah. and you can't say that guy is any less craft. No. As an artisan, no, no, compared no. to the guy who's been doing it for six months just because he uses all these American hops and uses twenty different hops for like, exactly. a, you know. Yeah. So th- this has always been a bit of a, a struggle for me, and um, we wanted to we wanted to brew interesting beers, but but what we wanted to do as a primary focus was make craft beer accessible, make it easy um, because it was inaccessible. Well, so it kind of it comes back to a, a story of me trying to get some of my city mates to go to um, a bar in Shoreditch owned by a fairly well-known craft brewer. Okay, I think I've got yeah. an idea. Yeah. Um, 
and I was trying to trying to tell them, come on, let let's go, and, and they were they were reluctant, and I was kind of saying, well, you know, what what's what's wrong with it? Why why wouldn't we go? And they were saying, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, we're, we're suited with this, with that. We're you know, I'm not really sure. You can't hear yourself. You can't talk. You can't, you know. <laughs> Just go to the website. Yeah. <laughs> But, well, there's wrong with that. but we and I was kind of looking at it like but this is the only place locally at the moment to get a really good pint of beer right so why aren't we going there is there something around sorry there's a traffic outside is there, some, <laughs> is there something around craft beer that is as alienating as it is attracting people yeah okay yeah and as I started to kind of look at look at it more and more, this this kind of started to become more and more obvious to me that that craft beer was had a bit of a stigma to it, and it and it was a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. You've got time. like um, what's it called a feedback loop, positive feedback loop. If you're in the circle, you yeah. talk to people who love it all, and they can't get enough. Of well, it. we talk about the bubble all the time, right? Okay, because, you call the bubble yeah. because we've got um, we we kind of split it out: ninety-five, three, and two percent. Okay, and so, uh, and you might hear me talking about this quite a lot. But the two percent are the people who like love craft, right? Hyper crafty, barrel aged, showers, whatever you know, they love it. Get, yeah. There's the three percent of the market that identifies with craft beer, but not uh, not particularly, you know, interested. They're not fundamentalists. In, you know, they're, they're, they're Camden and meantime drinkers. They're, okay, yeah, they're coming sure. through in the industry. They're looking for something beyond Peroni, but but nothing too crazy. Yeah. And then there's the 95% of the market that hasn't really tried craft beer and exactly, aren't yeah. going to anytime soon. And we were very, very keen to try and make ourselves as hop stuff. You know, because after all, hop stuff... As a name, it's a pun, it's a joke. Yeah. Because people take themselves a bit too seriously. It's a bit it's an easygoing name really, yeah. isn't it? It's just an And so we we wanted to do we wanted to create a, a brewery that kind of sat within that three percent that was the growing part of the market. Not that the two percent isn't growing because people who are part of the three percent are looking at the two percent and trying weird and wonderful stuff now. But we were quite keen to make craft beer and, and, and big flavoured beers as accessible as possible sure so things like the four hour session the unfiltered pilsner the renegade stuff like that they are the beers that you can recognise as being something else yeah but they kind of draw you into craft beer they come next level kind of like your gateway in, in, in the sense I think I've said this in other <laughs> we talk about gateway beers all the time so it's funny that you mention it well it's true it's like um, I think I've mentioned it in other podcasts I may not have yet I've talked to my friends about it you I always see Meantime and your Camdens yeah. as your gateway beer or your yeah, gateway exactly. drug into the, into the system. And I, I think that that is what the first thing I identified as a small local um, craft beer that I yeah. identified drinking four years ago in Clapham, yeah. somewhere yeah. like that. So we we try our hardest to position ourselves in that kind of, in, in that gateway place. And, and we do weird and wonderful, I've been talking to my guys today, so we've got a, we've got a, a one-year-old barrel-aged porter coming out okay, in cool. November. Interesting for me. Um, which Sounds is, very Christmassy as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, so we, we brew, we brew this beer called Gunners Porter and we brewed it every year since yeah. we were simply open. But what we did last year is we took half of it and we barrel-aged it, stored it in our cold brew. Mm-hmm. And it's just been sat there, and it and we we've been opening it recently, and it's starting to really get there. It's for, it, the smell is phenomenal. <laughs> um, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be putting that back into tank in the coming weeks, with a view to a launch around November. I'll try November. to get this podcast out before yeah, the yeah. end of November for you, mate. Um, 
and that is so that's where we kind of that's where we stretch our legs and that's where we play and we do weird and wonderful stuff but the, the core range the core of our business is the four hour the pilsner the rennie the apa yeah things like that that, that make craft beer approachable do you reckon it's just the flavour of the beers that can be a bit off-putting for people no, who are? absolutely not. The, the flavour of the beer is probably the, the smallest part <laughs> of the challenge. I think, um, I think for, for me personally, and I, people are probably going to disagree with me, but I think the, the ego, the arrogance, the, um, the kind of... The, 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 yeah, yeah. I think these are hurdles that... that the UK craft beer scene needs to overcome first interesting because if you look at America as like the, the big one and you look at Australia or New Zealand or um, you you find that their breweries are community led big focal points people travel to them, right. people spend the day there wife kids family and I think the UK craft beer market isn't there yet but I think I see that as being the obvious direction for it to go mm-hmm. for it to be an open community and that's where the crowdfunding stuff comes in really helpful. I see yeah. so I, I think the, the easiest way we can promote craft beer and promote hop stuff and promote the industry as a whole is to invite people in rather than making people feel that you need a haircut to come in yeah or, or that you you know you don't know about this this sour style so you can't be a part of absolutely, this absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. I, I take a lot of enjoyment in trying to educate is probably an arrogant term to use but trying to like pull my friends around to yeah, talking you, about beer you want to do it but without being patronising right? exactly exactly <laughs> I mean I take my mates to a pub right near me actually I found it literally around the corner from my flat it's uh, the Crown and Anchor yeah um, I shouldn't tell everyone on the podcast where I live but yeah. um Good pub. It's a really good pub. Really, and they can't change the lines all the time, but they've always got a good range of dark. You've got some APAs, you've got some sours sometimes now and then, if you like that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I took them around, we, we, I got a round of four drinks, four different ones. Yeah. My girlfriend's using Untap now as well. Nice. So that's a personal achievement I achieved there. Um, and I said, okay, guys, this beer is going to have this type of flavor element. This gun's going to have like the dark hit beer, so you can expect this. Yeah. And explained to that before they had it, and everyone elected one that they wanted to have. And I think that that increase their interest in the in the product and like one of my mates that was there knows more about beer than i do he's actually got a couple of beers named after him back in australia Uh, yeah yeah. um but two of my friends they had no idea really like he don't know the cask from the keg so to speak you know and um and uh, you know i I feel like that type of exercise can actually bring people into the fold without feeling too alienated without being patronized yeah it it's um it should be an inclusive industry. Yeah. It should be. And at the moment, I think it is for those that are in it. I think it's very, um, very kind of open and communal and, and this sort of idea sharing and collaborations and stuff like that. And that's all great. <laughs> but the industry, you know, again, I was out in America in April at the Craft Brewers Conference and so I've taken quite a lot from my trip out there. Right. And those guys are what, 14% of the market, 15% of the market, something like that. Um, they um, they are they're now starting to see it starting to slow down we're still only 2 or 3% of the market there's yeah. so much growth to, to go even, through even though they're saying now that breweries are, might be getting to their peak where you get into what 1600 breweries and I think less are opening than they were and more closing in the UK in the UK yeah yeah well so I am 
maybe slightly different to, to most people here, where I say that there is such a thing as too many breweries, and, and, okay. and there is um, there is a, a quality issue and a and a, um, and a motivational issue that, that that kind of can often dog breweries. Um, I think people quite often open a brewery thinking it's a good retirement plan. Really? Thinking, it, well, if you go outside of London, you know, okay. um, and you go more towards the kind of cask-led breweries and stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of old, old boys out there starting breweries in, you know, in their 50s and stuff, and they don't quite realise how how physical it is and how right. hard it is and, and how brutal the hours are. And, and suddenly, you know, it's, it's far from a retirement plan. Sure. In that scenario, quality starts to slip things start to go wrong and you end up in a situation where you you have loads of breweries but but they're not doing what breweries should be doing mm-hmm. which is making great beer all the time yeah yeah and and every so often a brewery drops a ball we had it a couple of weeks ago we sent a guard of four hour out it was over okay you it happens yeah but your ability to respond to it react to it we noticed it so we put it on our tap room we weren't happy with it, so we pulled the entire lot back. Good, good effort. You, you, but you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, you, have yeah. to, you have to respond to that. To raise your hands up to say that you made an error yeah, before, before the clients may have found out. Well, the thing with craft, the thing with craft is that it is constantly innovating and constantly changing. We were we tried a different yeast strain in that particular oh. that particular guy. Just went a bit lightly on it. Exactly, <laughs> it just fermented a bit further than we thought. Um, we did everything that we thought we needed to do. We checked everything we needed to do. It just it's just one of those things. Um, when that happens, you have to hold your hand up and go, mm, fair call, you know. But I think in the UK, there are too many brewers trying to half-arse it a little bit. Right. Um, with the wrong motivation, the wrong kind of desires and ambitions. And and then there are those who are kind of just going, pumping it, pumping it, pumping it, until AB and Bev come mocking. And, and, and that's a different wrong motivation, <laughs> but for, a, you know, a different reason. Um, and, and you know I think that the, the UK craft beer scene or the, the UK brewery scene sorry let's move away from craft beer slightly and just say sure. the UK brewery scene um, is maybe a little oversaturated okay yeah and, and, and a little full but then again if you can take the good things from each brewery and, and use that to make yourself better it's not about it's, it's all about getting more beer better beer accessible yeah. to more yeah, people yeah. that's probably why I'm interested in as well um, you, you, top, you, you got onto the topical area of buyouts essentially when you talk about AB and Bev yeah. um, do you feel like that's a almost um, a kick in the face of the, the small brewery industry no. do you reckon that's just progress that's just um, for me sometimes I think that just means that more people are going to yeah. access better beer or yeah. more, more range yeah, of beer yeah. really probably a better way of putting it um, because the Fosters can be your favourite beer and that's probably fine yeah, it totally yeah, can yeah. be I um, again I probably differ from, from a lot of people here where I say that, that uh, acquisitions are inevitable um, the craft beer industry is going to um, as as the bigger breweries rise through there will be acquisition attempts yeah. you know we've had it we had an approach not too long ago someone interested in us mm-hmm. it wasn't right the deal wasn't right the, the timing wasn't right and, and I am not opposed to acquisitions in the craft beer industry. Yeah. I think that if you look at the two most recent notab- notable ones in, in London, Meantime and Camden. And London Fields? Uh, yeah, but they, they they bought a name with London Fields. Okay. They don't 
they weren't brewing. Yeah, I so sort of heard it, that. So it's a bit of a random one. It, it's basically it goes into their book as a potential future skew. That's kind of it. Okay, got it. Okay. So off topic again. But if you look at Camden in the meantime, I think the the Camden acquisition has been incredibly successful. It's allowed them to invest in a new brewery. Yep. It's allowed them to expand. Uh, and and Jasper's still there, and the the, the brand and the ethos of, of Camden has remained consistent. Whereas I think if you look at Meantime, the, the, there is a reason that my sales director and my head brewer both come from Meantime <laughs> because they they were finding it very difficult, very frustrating to to work out what to do. Interesting. You know? And I think if you look at the two acquisitions, the the Camden acquisition was far more successful, in my opinion, than the Meantime acquisition. Right. Okay. And I think that's measuring well, success based on ba- well, based on um, brand authenticity, um, quality, consistency, all these different things. Um, I think it's I, I think it, the Camden one has, has been a really good thing. So you know, there there will be those people who are kind of craft beer till I die. There's mm-hmm. no way you can possibly you know, um, and I, I don't necessarily agree with that. At, at the end of the day, we and it will loop nicely into crowdfunding. You know, about to, yeah. we, are, we are a crowdfunded business and people will want a return. Um, we have to be mindful of how we get that mm-hmm. for, for the shareholders that invested in the growth. I was about to say, like, I was bringing on to the topic of crowdfunding, you're, are you currently undergoing your second round? No, we completed it. Because yeah. I looked and there's some news stories about 500,000 but then I looked on your crowdfunding page; it was over seven hundred and forty or something. Yeah, so we started with we started with five hundred, but it was so well. It was so popular, we went to seven fifty. <laughs> oh, <why> um, not? <laughs> well, you know, we 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 had a we had an upper limit of seven fifty, mm-hmm. and we said that we will go to that. Yeah, um, and uh, and so we yeah we closed we closed it early. Um, it was it was a really quick process. I think five hundred thousand plus in eighteen days or something silly. Like okay. it, it, it was really good for for what I would consider to be a small London brewers yeah um, you know a, a really really positive thing for us it allowed us to invite more shareholders on which is good um, we probably our biggest failing as a brewery is shareholder engagement okay um, yeah. it's, it's very very difficult to get 600 people in the room or to get them <laughs> yeah. all you know so what we're trying to do wherever possible is is speak to them and, and keep them updated with what we're doing and new beer releases and whatever else might yeah okay yeah um but it, it's a it's a really really positive thing if it's done correctly. Yeah, and I've heard some criticism only recently about crowdfunding as an as a as an option to to fund any business yeah. being where's the exit for the investors? Yeah, because obviously when you're investing in the stock exchange, you can invest as much or as little as you really want, so yeah. you can buy one share and you can sell it whenever you want next day whatever. and the idea if you were a, an angel investor you know what your exit is going to be what you expect your 10x to be or if it's going to be a 12x or 5x yeah. um, what it's going to be at the end of your X period of time yeah and um, and you will only invest if you assume that to be correct but yeah, cr- yeah. that seems to be a strange one where it doesn't seem to be as clear transparent about where it will be going no. when it will sell no I think I think the and, and particularly keeping it within craft beer the, the the obvious thing to do is to is to leap to a Camden meantime, right, and say, "Well, look at these guys; they've got a, they've been acquired for this much, and therefore you will have this kind of return." Yeah, which is nonsense. Um, <laughs> it, so what we did, what we said, is that 
it would be silly for us to to make these comparisons now. However, you you the the exceptions to the rule have to a certain extent become the norm. Okay. Within the craft beer industry, so the meantime, the Camden, the yeah. brew dog, the, you know, the, these high-profile acquisitions. Um, that's not the way every single one would go. Uh, and I think that I think what what CrowdCube and crowdfunding need to do a little more of is 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 tell people just how risky it is. Yeah, because you are investing in very very high growth potential companies. But um, you're investing in uh, very, very high risk companies yep. as well, and the the issue is that quite often, and, and I fairly publicly had some objections to, to the Innocent Gun crowdfunding, okay, um, because I thought that there was some some kind of T's that that weren't crossed and I's that weren't dotted there that that had the potential to mislead potential investors. I wasn't very comfortable with that transaction. And I, I voiced it publicly. Yeah. Um, did you go into that? And in case people are listening, did I, did I invest in it? No, no. Did oh, you go sorry. into what? Oh, could I go public, into it? Sorry, your public. Uh... Uh, yeah, I should, I should be a bit careful. Uh, okay. There was there was a, a point in the explanatory note um, for the innocent gun transaction that basically um, very quietly mentioned they owed HMRC a million pounds. Oh, blimey! Um, very interesting. And. There were other things. Uh, the, the the main shareholder, the MD um, Dougal, I think his name is, uh, had about one and a half million pounds lent to him by the company on a personal capacity. That's really odd. There were so between these two liabilities, that the Dougal was was in theory going to have to pay back, and um, that HMRC have just made some announcements recently to say that they are likely going to be reclaiming this money right okay um, and pursuing this company for it and I and I I felt it needed more public right. airing than it got because theoretically it was obviously on the public domain it was yes, just in yeah, the small yeah. print I mean, everything you, you they did, did everything they had to do exactly, exactly. but um, you're um, saying and as a topic of crowdfunding as a whole rather than just focusing on innocent good yeah. you're saying that maybe it needs to be a lot more a lot more scrutinised a lot more public yeah, well, if there's any I, like having a private investigator well, not not necessarily, you know, going that far. I think that it, any company raising any kind of money has to has to do an IM that, that kind of says this is what we're about, this is what we're doing. You know, IM um, investment memorandum. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not just for the listeners, for me as well. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the, the, this stuff is disclosed in there. I think the the problem with um, some of the crowdfunding platforms at the moment is is that it's a nice glossy video, it's a nice presentation, it's it's kind of key highlight paragraphs and it doesn't necessarily explain the risks and, and I think that if you look at if you look at crowdfunding at the moment um, you know obviously I can't between now and when this airs but at the moment it looks like breweries are slowing down and struggling a little bit on uh, and there is there is inevitably going to be a bit of market exhaustion yeah okay from from crowdfunding and I think it's it's too often seen as being an, an easy route to capital um, and it's it's maybe not quite as simple as people think. Yeah, sure. Um, for me personally, it is a fascinating subject. It and, is, and it I, is. And I um, I'm a big advocate of the potential of crowdfunding, um, but I think it, it in order for that market to grow, 
it needs to be um, a little bit more transparent. Yeah, it has so many gains in the sense that it opens up the ability to invest in things that when you don't necessarily have that much cash. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I, I I always like the idea of investing in property, being that it's a uh, it's a bricks and mortar you can't really knock it down unless earthquakes and yeah. uh, it, it usually goes up in value if, especially if you live in a place like London however buying property is exceedingly expensive yeah. unless you're able to you know prop yourself up to that point whereas something like Crowdcube not only do you um, or crowdfunding sorry um, not only do you can you buy into something that you believe in which it might well increase the value of the product you buy from that product uh, from that company like for instance if you were an equity for punk holder punk for equity Brewdog, yeah, yeah. you probably enjoy punk Brewdog more, yeah, than if you weren't. Oh no, yeah, well, like if you've got a, if you've got a bet in a, in a in a in a football game, yeah, you watch that football game a lot more intently. We um, we benefit um, significantly from our from our shareholders uh, having a vested interest in the product. Yeah, so when they go into a bar, they look for it. Yeah, uh, sure. And having there aren't many breweries that have six hundred plus people who will look for their beer when they go out. Sure. So that is hugely beneficial. Um, and if done correctly, and I, and I don't necessarily think that we've done it to the best of our ability, but, but we've kind of, we've always had a, a bit of a thing with our shareholders that um, no news is good news and we're getting on with it and we're doing yeah. what we said we're going to do. Um, but I think now we're actually, I was just um, looking at a CV yesterday for uh, a, a shareholder engagement and events coordinator. So we're looking at how we oh. can bring the shareholders on a bit more, um, sure. and that for us will be the next, will be the important part of the next growth stage for yeah, us. Yeah, I was about to say once you've got a line of investment, what are the next steps? Because you need to do something to impress those shareholders. Yeah, um, I think the most important thing, the most obvious thing you can do is actually just do what you said you were going to do. Of course, yeah. um, you know we. The reason our second crowdfunding was so good is that we had um, in the first round we had said we were going to do certain things and. We're actually on to about double our turnover forecast. Great work from from where we were to, to you know from where we said we would be to where we were. Um, I think that is the most valuable thing that, that you can do as a as a kind of mm-hmm. as someone who's who's had crown investment. Um, you know to be able to say actually you know we're doing what we said we were going to do. Um, that is important. That's mm-hmm. really important. The other thing is keeping them. Updated, getting them involved where possible, um, and and yeah, at the end of it all, it is a financial investment, mm-hmm. and it is a bit of a gamble. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but that's why people do it. They, they they love they love the the thrill, the risk, the the excitement of seeing a company grow. Um, I've invested in Crowdcube personally, and I've seen companies fail. Yeah, you know, it, it's. But it is it is a really really high risk. Thing. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but I think yeah, try, trying to engage with shareholders, trying to talk to them a lot, trying to tell them what's going on, keep them updated. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's incredibly important. Um, sorry, phone's, sorry going, yeah. phone's going mad. Um, <laughs> and then beyond that, um, doing what you said you were going to do. So I'm I'm quite conscious that you've got a busy day ahead of you. <laughs> I completely understand that. And we said we'll we'll chat for like exactly my phone's been going mental. Well, that party, <laughs> the fact it keeps lining up tells me the time, and I know when we agree right. that we'll continue to. So, I mean, I, I'd like fine. to just finish off roughly with a couple of questions about yeah, like sure. what are your next steps about hop stuff? Yeah. And um, after that, how can we hear more about you? Where yeah, can yeah. we find your beer? Where do you want to be in the next six months? Sure. Um, so, what are we up to at the moment? So, uh, as we said, we were going to do. We are. Um, 
we are moving into a new brew house. Um, the new brewery is will kind of will have the capacity to make us, I think, one of the top two or three breweries in London. Good work. I mean, it's, it, it it will be huge. Yeah. Um, you started off with ten barrel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now it's going to. So we're now we've got a hundred barrels capacity in our current unit. Good work. We are. We are raising that. We're also contract brewing as well at the moment, which can be, by some seen as a dirty word, but it's, <laughs> it's the only way to do it. And it helps other people out. Yeah. Frankly, so. Um, so we're currently producing maybe uh, 160, 180 barrels a week, something like that. Um, we are going into a new 40 barrel brewery and we will kind of from day one be brewing about 200 barrels a week, which yep. is great. Um, it has the, the, the capacity and scale to grow significantly. Um, we are opening at, you know we're sat in Deptford as we say this we are opening our new site in Deptford is that um, why you're here this morning yes right got it um, it was announced a couple of weeks ago that, that we're moving into the market yard oh moment. right okay so as our second tap room site um, which is a, which is again a really positive thing we said we were going to open tap rooms and, and that's what we're doing and it keeps you in the sort of neighbourhood that you're from in London but also yeah. this area is so filled with Type yeah. of people, the the three percent, let's say. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to each each of our tap rooms. The, the thing I really like about our tap rooms is that you can go in and you get black, white, old, young, male, female, all sorts, and, and, and that's exactly what we should be doing as craft brewers. Yeah, to promote the industry, absolutely, to get people from all different walks of life trying different beers and also feeling included in it exactly. I mean there's a whole topic out there that we won't have time to touch on about women drinking beer yeah. which is freaking awesome in London when yeah, I see yeah. women drinking pints yeah. whereas when I go back home to Derbyshire I see someone going I'd like a beer please and they responses with like a half yeah. I would like a bloody beer I drink yeah. a glass of wine at a time why not a, yeah. a full wine <laughs> as, you, as, you, as you rightly point out that's an entirely different subject um, yes moving uh, on and, <laughs> I think one of the things that on that subject one of the things is trying to get more women into the industry mm-hmm. uh, we struggle um, trying to recruit women yep. you know in a kind of positive discrimination kind of way um, it, it, it is a hard thing to try and recruit uh, female brewers female people who want to get in the industry yes. I, I guess it's kind of seen as quite a, a butch macho thing on, in quite a lot of occasions and, it, and it, it's maybe wrong to, to assume that um, but as you said that's a completely different subject um <laughs> But the tap rooms, really good for yeah. getting the community together. Um, and we're already discussing tap room three at the moment. Um, and we will hopefully have that open. Um, we'll hopefully have tap room three open in kind of Q1 2018. Awesome. So it's quite, quite a quick. Quite yeah, quick well, we, we said we were going to try and open five. Well, well, sorry, four plus the one we've already got. Right, got it, yeah. Um, and primarily in Southeast. Um, we are looking at stuff down into Kent at the moment a bit because mm. it's close to home well for me personally yeah but also one of the things we want to try and do is, is bring more people into the industry if we can and that is um, we need to we need to try and take craft beer out of London okay yeah. a little bit more you know I think London, the, Manchester the Sheffield the, Leeds, the kind of yeah. hubs that Leeds is huge um, I think what craft beer needs to do is the next step is kind of just go beyond that a little bit more. I think, so, think I heard somebody say that 65% of craft breweries are in London or it's like 65% of the rev- of the revenue or the literature probably out. yeah probably. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all so new brewery new tap rooms um, all currently kind of in the pipeline all happening um, which is a challenge to, to, to manage but but you know 
know, I enjoy it. Um, we are recruiting a huge number of people at the moment for different roles and stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll be going up to about 60 or 70 team members by the end of this year. Um, from about 30 at the moment, so that's pretty dramatic. Um, and finally, um, where to find our beer? We do a lot of our trade in central London. Okay. Because of that kind of crossover, ex Peroni drinker moving I see, through. yeah. We do, step, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we do a big volume in the city. Uh, we have a good relationship with the Fuller's sites, that right. sort of stuff. So normally, if you walk into a Fuller's in the city, you can find our beer, which is which is great. I'll keep an eye out. Um, we hopefully have a strong foothold in South London, but you know, it is incredibly competitive. Um, and then to try our newest beers, try our freshest beers, and to try anything weird and wonderful that we produce um, go to uh, head down to the tap room that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the best way to do it I'm going to try to find one of your oak aged porters yes. might be a good Christmas present for the girlfriend actually yes. Yes. she loves up dark beers yeah, we're t- <laughs> well we're talking about um, we're talking about a launch event uh, in a fairly well known craft beer site at the moment um, I won't say which no yet, because this might be aired after that anyway exactly. who cares <laughs> um, so um, so yeah hopefully we'll have a bit of a party with it and it should be um should be a really good release. Awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing it. Wicked. Well, okay, we'll call us it there. Well, thank you very much for your time and no your insights. Really interesting. Hope everyone else has enjoyed it. And uh, we'll just end the podcast. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Right then, I hope you enjoyed that. That was hop stuff. I hope the sound quality wasn't too bad, but generally speaking, I thought James brought in some really interesting points, some really interesting insights and he's just a very talented man. I took away a lot from the conversation with him and I hope you did too. Um, so next week we have by the horns brewery, went to see them on the same day. Um, and, uh, caught up with the lads there. Awesome conversation coming up. Hope you enjoy it and definitely tune in next week. Catch you then. Ta-ra.